0: So if you don't have any system, you just end up with like whoever comes your way and you feel obligated to take it because you're short on money or because you don't have any projects or because it sounds cool. But if instead you can define like here's here's the ideal client to build this ideal small boutique business that I want that will give me the ideal lifestyle and work work balance that I want, then all of a sudden your inbound system can adapt to that, you say, I would love to do that, but that's not the kind of work we do. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're offering you, I don't know how much money, but in reality, if you care more about like the lifestyle that you're building around your business, then you do turn away clients that don't jive with the kind of business and life that you're trying to build. Hey there, I'm Preston Lee. And I'm Clay Mosley. And this is Freelance to Founder. The journey from freelancing to running
1: your own agency comes with its own unique set of challenges.
0: Challenges that Clay and I have both faced while building our own successful businesses. And on this show, we sit down with freelancers and agency builders like you for value-packed on-air coaching sessions with one focus. Taking your business from freelance to founder. We'd love to have you join us on the air for an upcoming episode. To learn how to get your free coaching sessions like the guests you hear on our show, visit FreelanceToFounder.com and click on the microphone icon. We are here and ready to help you take action in your business. In this episode, we chat with Paul Chris Luke, who spent his first few years out of college working at an agency or two doing digital marketing. But then he decided to leave it all behind, sell his house and most of his possessions and move to Cambodia, a place he'd never even been before. After taking a year off to reflect on where his life was headed and finding his savings starting to run out, he eventually felt the tug to get some clients and start working again. The problem is, when you start freelancing like that, it can be hard to find the right clients, or better yet, it can be hard to avoid the wrong ones. Now, Paul finds himself wondering how to keep his company small while working with giant brands that want to scale. In this episode, we answer the question, is it a good idea to turn down new clients when your business is so young? We also talk about growing slowly on purpose, delegating without losing control, naming your business, and lots more. It all starts right after this quick message from our sponsors. restrictions apply. Welcome back to another episode of Freelance to Founder. Today we're joined by Paul Chris-Luke. Hi, Paul. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. Thanks. And here with me is uh, Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. Hi again, Clay. Hey, guys. Good to be back. Yeah, Clay's been uh, living on the edge, man. Traveling a little (laughs) bit for (laughs) for some family stuff. And uh, I just... I just, like, cross my fingers that he's okay.
1: Right. Yeah, just all kinds of uh, uh, sanitizer and face mask and every, every everything else that comes with that.
0: Yeah, well, I'm glad you're back home and hopefully safe and sound and, and that you stay healthy. Um, Paul, you're joining us from Cambodia, right? That's right. Yeah, I appreciate you staying up late to chat with us. I think <laughs> it's going to be a good conversation today. Yeah, me too. I'd love to start out um, so the listeners can just become familiar with the work that you're doing at your agency. Uh, can you just give us a really short rundown of what you're working on currently and where your business is at right now?
2: Yeah, um, so we've been in operations for about a year and a half here in Cambodia. Uh, and we do software consulting boutique uh, custom software solutions for our clients. And that's always been my history. I uh, I come from a CTO background, and so building custom solutions for uh, large enterprises was always what we've done. So we do the same thing here. Um, we've got three apps in production. We've got one, uh, which is hotel booking software, a lot, of, a lot of tourism and stuff in Cambodia. That died during COVID. Uh, yeah. <laughs> then we, we, do, uh, we do some email marketing software for Volkswagen. Uh, they do an internal email marketing thing, kind of like Mailchimp. And then uh, we also do a food delivery app here in Cambodia. And then the fourth thing is BrowTricks permanent, uh, BrowTricks, it's a a permanent eyebrow, like when you get your eyebrows tattooed on, um, it it supports those salon owners doing their bookings and deposits and calendaring and scheduling, things of that nature.
0: Okay, cool, so so a a large, company comes to you and says we have this this fairly large-scale problem that needs solved it sounds like you do a lot with booking and communications um yeah. and then you your company actually develops custom software for your clients that they can then use internally or with customers to get whatever that large-scale job done is
2: that's right it's all white label um you, you know, our our shtick is that we integrate really well with large enterprise systems um You know, we have lots of integration abilities. We have really good developers. So we can merge into an existing horrifying tech stack uh, with not too much uh, friction. And that's usually pretty appealing
0: to our clients. Very nice. So tell us a little bit how you got here. I know you have a history in working, uh, not running your own company, that you've worked for some other companies and and then obviously, at some point, moved to Cambodia to start this one. So tell us a little bit about your journey there.
2: Yeah, um, my my first job was uh, in a, at a tech startup. I think they were doing maybe ten million dollars uh, a year at the point that I joined up, and I did. I was a customer support agent, so I got all the angry calls and stayed there while I was in college. And it was luck- I was lucky because I was able to work full time and then took night classes. And so I studied communications and digital marketing and visual media while at the same time doing Cisco networking engineering. And after that, after college, I uh, worked at Goldman Sachs and worked uh, again it was like Cisco communications and, and things of that nature. I was really good, like large scale training. <laughs> um, I uh, really fun opportunity. I was, felt very out of my uh, out of my depth. I think I was. 24 at the time and the next youngest person on our team was 36 so it was uh, oh wow yeah imposter syndrome was real uh, yeah. i think i think i got the job i i i went to school at brigham young university and um i think i got the job because goldman sachs had just moved all their technology stuff from new york to salt lake city and so maybe they were just hard up for Cisco networking engineers or whatever, and I was the only option. So, but it, it, or maybe it just,
1: or maybe you are a child prodigy, right? <laughs> <laughs>
2: Beethoven in, in the making, definitely. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so that that was good and um, really good experience, really lucky, and uh, left that and to go get my masters. And uh, but in the middle of that, I. Got a job offer on LinkedIn from a recruiter to be the director of digital marketing at an agency. So I dropped out two classes shy of finishing my master's. My dad was really upset.
1: I have that same journey, by the way. Yeah, disappointed well, i dad. Well, I'm two <laughs> classes short of a master's. Yeah. <laughs> I never finished. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
2: it's almost a badge of pride now,
1: <laughs> right?
2: I had a, a, you know, I, I kind of. I did. I had to, I don't know if you had to have a discussion with your family about it. I come from an Asian family, so this was a big deal.
1: Again, same. And, uh, <laughs> uh,
2: you know, I kind of, the way that I described it was, you know, if I'm at an interview and they're going to pick the other guy because he's got a piece of paper and not me, that signals, I, some, I probably wouldn't be happy working for that person. Uh, Long term, because I fundamentally disagree with how they're evaluating candidates, we're going to have fundamental disagreements on a lot of stuff. Mm
0: -hmm, So it almost
2: just removes me from working with clients and people that I would not be happy working with long term anyway.
0: That's a good way to think about it. Um, you know, if you two have reason to be proud, I should be especially proud because I never started my master's. There you go. Uh, so <laughs> I would say but... that
1: you're pro- you're probably smarter than me. <laughs> yeah, it was it's about... under the
0: same philosophy. You know, my dad always always said like get a master's or even a PhD. And I'm just like, look, in my field, and then particularly knowing I wanted to run my own business, I don't know. I have thought about getting an MBA or something like that to to shore up my business savvy. But it's like once you're running your own business. You, you know, the day-to-day education that you get actually running a business, in my experience, is far superior to what you can get in a classroom.
2: Right. I mean, I, I'm two classes shy. And the lessons I'm learning out here, getting beat up, is, is a lot more valuable. And I, and I learned <laughs> more in a month than I learned in the 18 months or whatever I was doing. So,
1: yeah, I agree. So, you, you, got, you dropped out. You got a job, right?
2: Yeah. Um, and that agency was... They were very good at traditional creative. So they did Super Bowl commercials. We won an Emmy for one of the commercials we wrote. Uh like really good billboards, creative Not too very Yeah. And then um but the digital was could use some love. Uh like they were still, when was this? 2014? And they were still doing like mobile versions of their websites and desktop versions. They did what they were doing responsive web design at that point. They were very far behind. And very trusting, maybe too much so, just kind of handed me the whole reins and said, can you make us do better digitally? And um, so I said, yeah. And and we redid every one of our client websites in WordPress, because that was what I was familiar with. I also had a web design agency that for like eight years that I did WordPress on. And we that was just the quickest way that I think we could redo 12 clients' huge websites very quickly. And that went really well, but then you know, after the first year, we realized that we wanted more granularity in our marketing. Every every marketer wants to know, I spent this much, I made this much, but that's kind of a hard task. Um, And so, in order to the only way that I that I thought we could get the real, I spent this much, I made this much, because that's what our clients were always asking at, at the advertising agency. Right? I gave you half a million dollars this month. How much did we, How many conversions did we make?
1: Mm-hmm.
2: And um, at that scale, with with that level of spend, you have to you have to be more than just like conversions. You got it. You got to show this level of granularity, real performance. Because they've got to make sales, or so just they pull the plug these days. We just had a, we just had a level of robustness in our data that a lot of other agencies didn't. Simply because we had twelve clients combined with very large budgets, and we could do A/B testing at scale. After that. A lot more inquiries came. A lot more um, feature requests came from our own clients on outside. And perhaps it was too much. And we, we were getting into user behavior modeling. We were playing with machine learning. And that's all about showing you the right ad at the right time, which could be attributed to all the problems we have today. So just decided to leave that all. I, did, I was very confused with the technology I was grappling with at the time. And I, I needed a chance to think about it. So I... Um, just left all that to go think about it <laughs> and that's how i ended up yeah. here
0: so you so you you just up and leave you just quit your job yeah, no, no real plan you must uh, have had yeah. some sort of buffer financially
2: yeah um, i was uh, lucky i had no debt so i had some i had some stuff saved up I, I had a house and everything i left in 3 weeks and i just sold everything gave everything away to all my friends um, and just moved to Cambodia. I was familiar with Cambodia because uh, my sister had lived here for eighteen months before doing volunteer work, and so I figured if I was going to go anywhere where I didn't know anything, you might as well go. And she was so she was able to help me find a place to rent and know how to pay electricity and things like that.
0: So, yeah, yeah, very nice. So you so up okay. you up and leave. You land in Cambodia, and you don't plan to start working anytime soon. And what happens next?
2: Um. Yeah. I don't plan to work. uh, I don't plan on working for anytime soon. I actually had like this five year plan to do nothing. Uh,
0: that sounds amazing. (laughs) I want want a five year plan to do nothing. Uh,
2: it was good in principle. I think it's healthy to at least feel like you have that option. And so it's it's rare that people do, but after, after a year, uh, you could say I either got bored or was very unhealthy. Um, I've, I've, I feel like I've always been a pretty disciplined worker and I, and I wake up at the same times. I'm fairly like machine-like in how I do things. And this was the first time in my life where I had no purpose and it was, uh, it was a hard time almost. Uh, very introspective. I was able to learn a lot about myself and what I really care about and what I want to do going forward, but it was difficult to try and decide, all right, now that I'm doing nothing, what, what I've been a very hard worker my entire life, but what do I do now? (laughs) So I want
0: to, okay. So, so it sounds like this, this time period of finding yourself, learning about human nature, just taking some time off, uh, led you to some really interesting places. At what point did you decide you were going to start uh, working and <laughs> building something? When I ran out of money? <laughs> and not <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> I
2: had a great five-year plan. I actually came out here with my partner and we, were, we had you know, enough reoccurring revenue from some social media stuff that we were doing. Uh, where I could just live forever indefinitely, but um, we separated. And so that started pushing into my savings and like all that stuff. And so that lasted for about a year. Um, And then I just started looking for more client work here in Cambodia. And I found a hotel that was up in the trees. It was right down my alley. Uh, Only 300 people in the world living on this lonely mountain in Cambodia. And um, they needed help with their marketing and their software and their software. Universe. So you
0: started looking around for jobs as a freelancer. You didn't necessarily start building an agency at that point.
2: No, no. Yeah, just a freelancer. Um, honestly, just just a job, I think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was yeah. just looking for money. Yeah. <laughs> and, just, some cash, uh, yeah. <laughs> just money, please. And, um, and they actually offered me full-time employment, but I got this weird vibe about the whole place. So I negotiated a freelancer thing, which turned into a year and um uh, but yeah so i ended up there just on this lonely mountain it's like three hours west of the major capital city take a bumpy road there
0: so you do this freelance work for for them it, go, it must go must have gone well for that year did you also have other clients during that year period or or just the one just the one um
2: you know i, I it, it was a lot of work i I did acquire another, another big client, um, as a freelancer, Bill Bensley. Um, so I started in December and then around November ish, I signed another client, Bill Bensley, and those three more websites. And it's a huge, huge opportunity. Um, these, this guy runs a hotel that rents for $2,000 a night, three nights minimum. And yeah. And had, he's an architect, hotel builder. He's done like the the palace for the king of Malaysia.
1: Yeah, I was about to say. I thought I think I had heard of him. He's like a designer. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. Super cool guy. You know, one of the nice things about living in Cambodia is you get the opportunity to meet these people sitting on a porch um, because it still goes slow, and so you meet a lot of these
0: contacts, and that eventually realized into another freelance contract. <clears throat> Um, and was that the, that was during the one year period that you were doing the other client as well? Yeah, that was in November.
2: So I started in December, cool. and that was maybe seven, eight months later.
0: Cool. And at and at what point did you start thinking, you know, this could be this could be more than just me doing a few odd jobs here and there just for to get some pocket money. This could be like an actual business that I start and grow and hire people. And I, I mean, at what point did that transition over? Was it after that year long time? About
2: month six. At about month six, okay. uh, I, I hired a designer and another programmer to just help with some of the overflow work that we were running into with uh, our first client. Um, and then when I signed the next one, Bill Bensley, I hired on another developer. Uh, and so it was probably right around this time I said, whoa, this is a big client. This is a big hotel. This, this is something I should you know not just do myself. I should try and put some real effort into this. So right around that time.
0: Cool. And then, how long before you booked, you know, a few clients? What What does your, I guess, uh, client roster look like now? What What is the kind of what does the business look like now? I guess how long ago was that? How long ago was the finding your first that first hotel? The first hotel was
2: December of last year. So oh wow. Uh, uh, so, so you grew pretty quickly. Well, <laughs> uh, we failed that next contract big time. Um, Uh, yeah, yeah, it was rough.
0: Have you ever noticed that many of the problems people call in with on this show can be solved by hiring someone? Sometimes you need a full-fledged team, other times maybe just a simple assistant, or an expert in something you're not great at. Whatever your reason for hiring, we recommend you take a look at LinkedIn Jobs. You know, working from home is mostly great, but there are some days when I realize I haven't left my house or even my chair like all day. Have you been there? Getting outside to exercise or making a trip to the gym are just harder now that my office is just a flight of stairs away. If you're stuck in the same rut as me, then you should try HYDRO, that's H-Y-D-R-O-W. With the Hydro rower and 20 minutes a day, getting a full body workout is so much easier. Hydro can work up to 86% of your muscles in just 20 minutes for an insane, effective home workout. That's because Hydro That's hydro com and promo code FREELANCE to save $400. HYDRO.com, promo code FREELANCE, or just click the link in our show description.
2: I think I made a couple critical mistakes. I probably should have talked to you guys before uh, going <laughs> over there. Uh, <laughs> but where I failed was proper expectation ha- handling. I think um i was so excited to get this deal this was like this was this was a huge opportunity that normally when you're talking about money and timelines and expectations i'm like all right i'm gonna go take all this stuff do an audit come back and give you a realistic thing but in this situation bill bensley had like flown me out to his hotel i was drunk by the time we were talking i had taken a zip line there was a guy giving a massage while we were talking i was very much out of my element (laughs) and he's he said, "You know, two websites, two months." And I was like, "Yeah, yeah, yeah, totally." And I just figured I would work harder, and my team would work harder. But that's it; just wasn't realistic. It, it and um, that that started a lot of problems, which inevitably led me losing that contract. And we launched one website into production, but they ended up going with something else afterwards because they just weren't happy with the how fast we were going. And um, that was tough. I mean, I I, I put almost almost every bit of my capital into hiring people. I moved to Bangkok to be at their headquarters. So I was paying for two places at once. And uh, in, in thinking that we were gonna have that reoccurring revenue for a very long time, good relationship. And
0: uh, at the end of three months, we had nothing. So what, did you, so what did you do? I mean, have you found, I guess, tell us what your business looks like now. Um, yeah. How many clients do you have? How many employees do you have? What kind of revenue are you doing? Uh, well, you know, all right. So
2: I I, I left the, I, I left that discouraged, and I, I mean, I kind of had a point. Do you give up or do you give up or or and go home? And so I went back to America in December, and and was like, do I just give up? Just go get another job, and or do I do I keep doing this freelance agency stuff? And um, I did. I did my balance sheets and my paperwork and projections. I decided to go back to Cambodia and try just once more. And so I figured that we had three months um, from the start of 2020 to sign one client. And if we did that, we could be sustainable. And in month two, we signed another client, Volkswagen. And That's a big uh, deal. That was great. It was a huge deal. Another great deal. And I was determined not to make the same mistakes as last time. So. Uh, I took the lessons I learned from Bensley, um, hired a lot more people, you know, gave realistic timelines, definitely hammered some stuff out a lot better.
0: And that was chugging along. And okay. So that, so that makes sense. Why, when you filled out the questionnaire, you know, listeners know that we send a questionnaire to everybody who's on the show. Um, you filled filled out the questionnaire and one of the questions is on a scale of one to 10, one being freelancer, 10 being founder, where do you put yourself? You put yourself at an eight. Uh, it it makes sense to me that you would put yourself there. You have a few employees, you have some big contracts and potentially some recurring revenue as well. So it it feels like you're well on your way. Um, I'd love to hear more about maybe why you put yourself there on, on that scale. And then you said you wanted to get to a 10. I'd love to talk about maybe some of the hurdles that you're facing to get to that 10 and, and places that Clay and I could perhaps help offer some of our advice as we've gone through some of the same struggles in hiring and scaling and and growing a business. Um, We're going to take a quick break from our sponsors for just two seconds here and we'll be right back with some of that information. All right, we're back uh, with Freelance to Founder. You're listening to Freelance to Founder and I'm here with uh, Paul Chris Luke and Clay Mosley from GetDripify.com. We're chatting about Paul's journey to starting an agency in Cambodia. Been really fascinating so far. And we're gonna learn a little bit about why Paul puts himself at an eight on the freelancer to founder scale and uh, some of the hurdles that he's facing to get to a 10 on that scale later in the year. So Paul, tell us a little bit about your current situation, why you're an eight out of 10 on the scale right now, and then uh, maybe what's what's the biggest hurdle that you're facing?
2: Sure. Um... We've 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 made some good leaps uh, with contracts, and you know I've made have made products before uh, successfully, and so I feel I feel strong about my ability to uh, run a team, uh, at least a small one, and make good good products, and we're doing that now. But the hurdle that I that I see myself falling into over and over again is that I, I don't care about money and, I, and I'm, I'm really a product person. I care a lot about the, the end, like what I make. And so I will leave money on the table or fail to monetize as I'm just like, I don't care. You'll just, just pick, give me give me some money and I'll make you what you want. And as long as I'm making that, that product and having fun, that's great. But we have products out there that are doing hotel booking and, and all and... Food delivery and things at scale that could be grown, uh, but because I find no joy in that, and that almost scares me. Because uh, if you scale and really, you know, as soon as you put up a sales page, and you start getting inbound leads, that turns into sales and contracting and accounting and
0: yeah. All that, all that just seems like agony to me. You actually, it's it's really interesting Mm -hmm. because it seems like you're facing a really common problem that we've talked about on the show quite a bit before, except you're experiencing it at a a bit bigger scale, maybe, or different, I guess, a different way than I've seen it before. And that is that you're a maker, you're a creator, you, you like to bake bread, but you don't necessarily want to run the bakery, right? You you like to make incredible apps, uh, software tools. But you don't necessarily want to like manage the books, manage the client intake, manage the sales process. That stuff is maybe just the work that has to get done so that you can do the work that you want to do and that you enjoy. Is that, am, I, am I understanding that right? That's absolutely right.
1: All of us like to do one or two particular things in our businesses. Um, and the rest of it is just, uh, in your word, agony to do. Right. It's like, right. you know, I, I'm i like you. I, I like to create. Um, uh, you know, but the business side stuff I, I like to do, but like there's some stuff I just like just accounting, for example. I, I don't want to do any of that. Um, so, yeah, that's a pretty typical thing. It's like it's like if you it, there's like pros and cons to scaling. Right. It's like you scale and you make more money, but there's the cons of, OK, all this other stuff comes with it
0: that you have to deal with. <laughs> and so what does someone Clay? I mean, what's your advice? for Paul in this situation? Like, is, is it, I know we've given some advice to people in the past, you know, hire someone to do the work that you don't like to do. Um, what, what advice do you give him at this point where he's like, look, I just want to make cool things. And I know there's all this potential, but I just want to make cool products and have us a, a sustainable business, not necessarily like a billion dollar business.
1: Yeah. I, I think it just depends on what you want. Um, you know, there, there's nothing wrong with not scaling um, and, and just like, staying small and boutique. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think I agree. I think it's just like f- first, the first thing you got to figure out is, okay, what, what is it that you want? Do you want to scale or do you, or do you want to stay small and boutique? And you just almost have to do like your pros and cons chart. And like, what well, almost like, I mean, it's just like, what's going to make you happier. Um, and, 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 you know, and if, if staying small and boutique, you know, that that's where, the the con to that is is like okay if you're gonna if you're gonna stay small then that means you probably have to take on some of that responsibility. Um, you might be able you could probably out like outsource or um, like if you have a small team. I, you know I don't I don't I don't know what the inner workings or your books look like, but um, you could you could have someone on your team do some of that stuff, or you can outsource to a contractor um, so, to do some of that stuff as well.
2: Maybe that's a, that's a great question. I have so uh, I've gone through the introspective stuff. I feel like I definitely would probably like to stay boutique, but I've got clients that want to scale.
0: Yeah, that's
2: a good point. So I've hired I've hired someone, and um, uh, his name is Matt. He's working Amazon. He does great operations, and do, and is helping me do a lot of the agonizing things that I don't want to do. And it has been really helpful and effective. What I'm scared about is he has correctly assumed, you know, if we, if we start launching with all these pre-orders that we got and we're going to need a lot more people, I and mean, we all know that, but that's going to be moving in a direction that I'm not going to be comfortable with, but I know I need to do. So how do, you, how do I prepare, you know, I can just lean on this one person and trust them a lot, which I do. Uh, but that is scary. Well, let me
0: ask this though: Why, like, and, why do you say you need to do it? Why do you need to scale? Because it sounds like you don't want to, but you're feeling well, like you need to.
2: Well, so Brow Tricks, one of our one of our clients, uh, she's my cousin, and she's built a great business off her own industry, and she's got a Facebook group, and they buy everything from her, and so they've been begging her for this product, and. And, you know, I usually build websites for one person, not for these whole consumers. And so there's going to be, this is a whole new style of product and I'm doing it for her. I'm doing it for my cousin. I see. Um, but I didn't, I get you know, I guess I did realize that it could be a lot bigger than it is, but it's actually going to be a lot bigger than it is, <laughs> than I thought it would be. And, uh, the you know now we're now we're starting to talk about support contracts and what do we do with help desk and and, and all these things, not, none of which I ever wanted to do ever. I had decided to be boutique. I decided to just work with people and be relationship based and make my money that way. But this is moving into a direction that I'm unfamiliar with. And so I'm nervous about that and I don't yep. really know what to that's do.
0: really interesting. And I'd love your take on it, Clay, obviously, but here's something that I'm finding fascinating. So we talk to freelancers all the time who are like, I just want to grow. I, I want to grow a decent sized agency uh, just th- that makes a good amount of money so that I can just make things that I like to make. And so then we tell them, well, you know, hire a salesperson, hire maybe a, a you know, operations person or something. And then, and then continue to make the stuff that you like to make and, and your business can just run smoothly without you having to be involved in all those pieces. But what, what happens so often is those people are targeting, um, the wrong kinds of clients to build that kind of business. So they say they want this bigger business, but then they take these like bottom of the barrels, really small one-time one-off jobs. Right. And, and so... There's a mismatch there, and what I'm noticing actually, it's kind of the opposite with you. There's a mismatch of what you want out of your business and the kinds of clients that you are taking on. And I get that it's difficult when there's family involved, but it feels like
2: no. But you're right. Volkswagen is the same thing. I don't want to be sending these. This is important stuff. These are this is professional stuff. Yeah. I never, uh, I I never wanted to do that. I had decidedly stayed on. I just want to make cool stuff for a small amount of people and suddenly with Volkswagen, I'm responsible for things I just didn't want to be responsible for. So it's almost moving in the opposite direction in a very confusing way.
0: And I know and I know you don't you don't love the idea of like inbound leads, but actually I think that could be part of your solution where, if you have an inbound system where you get inbound leads, you can actually control the kinds of clients that you're getting. So if you don't have any system, you just end up with like whoever comes your way and you feel obligated to take it because you're short on money or because you don't have any projects or because it sounds cool. But if instead you can define like here's here's the ideal client to build this ideal small boutique business that I want that will give me the ideal lifestyle and work work balance that I want, then all of a sudden your inbound system can adapt to that. And when a Volkswagen comes calling, you say, I would love to do that, but it doesn't match, you know, that's not the kind of work we do because you've already decided. And that's a lot easier said than done when they're offering you, I don't know how much money, you know, it's a lot easier to, for me to just say, I'll just turn them away. But in reality, if you care more (laughs) about like the lifestyle that you're building around your business, then you do turn away clients that don't jive with the kind of, the kind of business and life that you're trying to build. I, I think it's uh way, I think it's simpler than it is. Like
1: if I were in your shoes and like, if that's just something you don't want to do, like just don't do it. And, and if that's, if, and oh. I know that's like, yeah, <laughs> well, so here's some, <laughs> here's some solutions to some alternatives to that though, is like, yeah. so you also have to think about, and I know this is your cousin, but you also have to think about, okay, what if you don't provide this, this support part, like, will they leave you, right? That's a, that's a question. Um, and if sure. not, will they, if they stay with you, if not, what I would do is I would go find someone who could do this, find another company that you, and, and you could just research
0: the heck out yeah. of it. You hire go like a Zendesk or that, something that can handle yeah. the support for you.
1: Yeah, someone someone you trust and, and partner with. And what I like about this is that whenever you come across this type of, uh, situation in the future, you could just be like, okay, we partner with this other company that we 100% trust. And so that way your, your, your clients are happy. You don't have to do that. And you're like, therefore your life, you know, you're happy with your lifestyle. So that, that's what Mm -hmm. I would do.
2: Can you tell me a little bit more about inbound leads? Sure. You curate it. You write, you write a bunch of copy, Make a fancy contact form to make sure that you're only getting good leads.
1: Yeah. So yeah. Preston mentioned this. Um, so inbound. So for for the listeners not uh, that don't know, like so inbound versus outbound. So outbound is going to be like uh, like cold calling or reaching out to prospects. Um, inbound is uh, you know someone uh, reaching out to you and inquiring to you about your services. Um, where and the biggest difference is like. They heard about you in some some form or fashion, so it could be advertising, marketing. Uh, we mentioned branding um, earlier in the in the show, and so like you have basically have a reputation, and so whenever you have inbound leads, you basically you your you have the balls in your court. You have all the leverage, and mm-hmm. when someone approaches you versus you approaching them, that means you can make. Way more, cho- you can make way more uh choices as far as like do you want to take them on as a client or 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 not, and what kind of you know what you can charge. You can actually charge more if you have more inbound clients versus outbound. Um, and so basically, you have more leverage if you have more inbound
0: leads, but in but in terms of the tactical stuff, yeah, it, it's you you use that leverage then to to filter out basically jobs that you don't want to take or clients that you don't want to take on. And so you craft your sales page in a way that talks to, like, let's say instead of these Instead of a Volkswagen kind of company, you want to talk to like something small where you're going to be able to take it on without huge amounts of scale. And so you you speak their language. You start to talk about those kinds of projects. You maybe t- you maybe do a few outbound projects like that to get you know case studies and examples of work that you've done with companies like that. And then they'll start to auto filter themselves out. So that when Volkswagen shows up, they go, Oh, this company looks good, but they they work with smaller companies. They don't work with companies like ours. And so they start to auto filter. And if they don't auto filter, even if they do contact you, you can say, you know what? It looks like your company is a little bit too big for what we handle. We were more of a boutique. We do medium sized companies or whatever.
2: I agree. And the last question I have, I was kind of surrounding that. You know, how do I, how would I make a leap to number 10 on, on that question list from founder, freelancer to founder? You know, I guess in theory of being able to walk away from the business is the goal.
1: Like sell it. Is that what you mean? Like what's your end, what's your end or
2: I think, I think the way the, the question was phrased is, you know, without, without you, I think everything could continue to go on. And, um, in a lot of ways with our business, people are coming inbound from referrals and everything like that because it is me, I, you know, the Google talk did really well, a couple of other
1: case studies and things.
2: And so I don't know how to remove that element and continue to scale.
1: Talk a little bit about when your, your, your client onboarding process, just, just 30,000 foot view. When someone says, hey, I wanna to talk to you about your services, what happens? Who do they talk to?
2: There's, there's almost no salesmanship because I don't have to qualify them at all. They trust that I'm gonna make a good product. And so it's really just going back and seeing if they have the time and budget to do what they want to do, and then chopping it down, and you know, creating a realistic timeline there.
1: Okay, so you make you make the sale, right? You sign the contract, and then what happens at that point?
2: uh And then we get to start designing. So we move into design stage, and that's me. Uh, you know, one of the nice things about working in any industry for so long is that you can kind of be pretty quick. You know, I know a lot. Everyone that's selling something online just wants to sell something online, right? So it's pretty – you can carve through a lot of the stuff. You sit down and you get project requirements. And you go through your audit and it takes some time. And then
1: you design the product and you move it into programming and testing. And then you launch it. Okay. So when when does your team come in? Uh, right at the –
2: do uh, in the beginning for the design, like the the initial design discussions requirements, I bring in my, one, my designer. Um if there's any requirement discussions, I'll bring in some of my programmers. I have a programming background, so I can usually answer those. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, they'll come in sometimes in the initial discussion, just if, if, if we're talking about something that's kind of crazy outside of scope and I need to make sure that I'm not going to lie, say we can do it. Um, okay. And then, and then, but then I'm very heavily involved in the design process. Um, and... That is something I think I could hand off if we could find a very talented person. I, uh, okay. You know, and
1: like then if what? I, if
2: I can find a good synergy there.
1: What about when the project's done and and it's ongoing, kind of whatever your ongoing yeah. service is? Who, yeah. who handles that? I've, I've,
2: I've found it very hard to hand that off to people. Um, ah. my,
1: my clients like me. <laughs> There's your issue right there. There it is. Yeah. So I, I I can I can already tell you this process is already flawed from the beginning in, in my opinion. Um okay. so so I think it's I think it's it's fine like that you're you're the one that that people talk to um at the beginning and and considering you're the designer um you handle the design like uh, however I think at the beginning it's all about and you you mentioned it earlier um it's all about expectations. Like you can be as as involved as you want to at the beginning and even in the meat of it. But as long as you like, whenever you first do your client onboarding, you set expectations that say, Hey, here's my team. This is so-and-so, 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 and -and and -and so-and-so. This is what they do. They are very good at this piece. They will handle this part of the project and that's who you're going to deal with whenever you're at this point and then also at the beginning setting expectations when this project's over this is who you're going to deal with uh, ongoing and so that way at the beginning they already know that it's going to happen so that way they are not disappointed when whenever they cannot talk to you
0: that way they fall in love with your brand and your company and your agency and not necessarily yep. with you as an individual you can use you know your charm or your speeches or whatever to to win them over for the sale that's fine like that makes complete sense but as soon as that sale happens we do this on our end with sponsors for example like, I handle all of the sponsorship sales, but as soon as that deal is done, I hand them off to my sponsorship manager, who genuinely I know is better than I am at the process. If I try to handle the process, it falls apart. If she handles the process, <laughs> it goes very smoothly and successfully. And so part of it is also believing in your people enough to say with conviction to your client, these guys are better at this than anyone I know. They're going to handle this part of it for you, and you're going to be in good hands. I'm here if you need me but they're going to handle it for you.
2: So I agree. <clears throat> a lot of a lot of what I've learned, a lot of how I operate is just based on bosses that I've worked for, mentors. Um, how do you avoid a situation because this is the model that he tried to do, right? And he runs a very successful agency, but when he onboards a new client like Salseritas or Cspire, you know, he's definitely involved and he's effectively the account executive. Uh, Is the role that you're talking about is that liaison between the client and making sure that we're going to take care of you and answer our emails and calls. That's the taxing part that I'm trying to get away from. So he's handed that off, but there were, and there always are times where that relationship needs help. There's someone's made a mistake. You've, you know, um, Mm -hmm. something has happened and and he often stepped in and was never able to fully remove himself and, and, and do you, uh, do you, do you sit there with con, uh, conviction and and say, I've got full confidence in, in my team and, and no matter what, I'm not coming in <laughs> or do you just take those measured responses? And say I got to step in at this moment. And how do you determine when that is?
1: I think that's, I think it's a little bit of, of, uh, two, two sides. Um, one is, yeah you're gonna have to step in at some point if you have issues if you have client problems right like you're that that's just i think that's just natural um and and especially if it's if it's the risk of losing a client like yeah step in right um and then but there's another there's another thing that I would suggest doing is I would hire a person, another one of you, basically. So, so obviously it, I would almost hire, like, try, try to find someone that's very similar to you, uh, who can handle like this kind of stuff. And, and yeah. it, it, it would be that person. And if that person can't handle it, then you step in.
0: Right. I would say, I would say you're maybe further away from completely stepping away from the business, like, like leaving for years and having it still run. It still feels like you're in the very early stages where you're still going to need to be involved on a day-to-day Agreed. basis i think what you know when i when i say on the survey you're a founder when you, when the business doesn't rely on your day-to-day presence to survive that doesn't necessarily mean like you step away and you go you know ride a sailboat around the world or something and you're completely unreachable and all of that for me what that means is like if i decide to take a couple days off or even a week off or something, my business runs smoothly enough and my peop- I trust my people enough that the business will continue to run without me as opposed to like freelancers who, if they take a week off, client work doesn't get done and then clients are mad and then there's no money. I mean, there's a huge difference between those two things, but it still feels to me like you're quite a ways away from actually, I guess not having a position in the mm-hmm. company where your actions influence the work every day uh, let, let me ask you this do you do, you do uh I, I didn't have a chance to look at your
1: social media do you do a lot of social media uh content yeah content publishing yeah do yeah. you feature your team a lot or no no i, I would start featuring them Um, we've just started, we've just started, starts building trust with
0: with the public and with your clients about who your team is and how talented they are.
1: Yep. Yeah. I, I I did this with my other agency, uh, the one I sold and we we featured like we featured the entire team, um, all the time. Uh, we did, Mm. we did employee spotlights. We, I mean, we just had them on camera all the time. Mm -hmm. It wasn't just me. And, um, and so, whenever we onboarded a client, and 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 I would say, hey, you know, Kelly's going to handle your account. They knew immediately who she was, and so there was already right. some trust there built in, like yeah. like before they even met Kelly. And so, like that helps a ton with that kind of stuff. Um, and so they like whenever they whenever they are working with Kelly, like uh, they don't. They will they will ask for you less and less if you if you feature them on your social media.
2: That's great because uh, just Friday we're gonna, we're shifting to way more of that. And normally I live stream and all of our social media is about like my work day. Uh, but we're going to split up into hours. So you've got Julia working for her web design hour, and then you've got Adarfa working on his programming hour. Yeah, yeah, perfect. that's
0: spot on. That's exactly what you want. want Showcase their
1: personalities too. Yeah. Yeah. They're perfect awesome
2: yeah yeah okay yeah great
1: also i kind of want to talk about the name of your agency what is it called me
2: too me too paul chris luke agency
1: okay so i mean like right off the bat people just like i'm I'm not saying you need to change it but i'm just saying that that
0: it's a little bit of a hurdle whenever your your agency name is you um it is a hurdle meaning it's hard to step away from it it's hard to separate yourself from it like like it's not necessarily that it's a bad name or a bad choice it's it's that your company then becomes intrinsically tied with you as a person and it's so much harder Mm -hmm. to step away it is very much a lot about me and so i can see what you're saying is like you've set you keep
2: talking about wanting to walk away but you're setting yourself up completely to be the center focal point Mm -hmm.
0: yeah
1: i i yeah and i don't think there's like you could you could keep your name um and and what i'm about to suggest is i think i think you should do anyway uh, like, so what I talked about before is like introducing your team, saying so-and-so is going to handle this and blah, 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 blah. Like, I think you should do that 100%. But if there's someone – because it sounds like you as an individual person ha- – you it sounds like you have a lot of clout. And so um, what I would do if I were you is mm. is I, w- I, would, I would do the introduction to the team. But if there is a client that says, no, I want to work with you, then – I would do two things. I would one limit the number of clients that you personally handle and two and, you, and it's up to you what what you think you can handle, okay? Um, and two, I would double what you charge and say, right. "Hey, Mr. and Mrs. client, yes, you can work with me individually, but it is
0: double the fee because I am that good." Right. Right? Or because so, I'm that busy or in that in that high of demand. I'm that busy. You know? Yeah. Like I'm busy actually actually a that's a,
1: yeah, that's I that's actually that. a better busy, phrase. Correct. That's a better yeah. phrase because you don't want to put down your team at all. So I, 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 I take back what I just said. Uh, yeah, Preston is correct and say I'm that busy um, or I have that much high demand. Uh, but you can – I mean you can you, – you always say my team can handle everything. Uh, however, if you want to work with me it, because my demand, yes, it's double the fee or whatever. Like I would make it right. substantially high.
2: That's realistic. Build – build confidence in your team, hire the right people, then I'm busy. So you can get to me if you need to, but it'd be
0: expensive. And, and, you know, you'll genuinely be busy. If you're really trying to build a business that you can eventually step away from, you'll be building systems. You'll be training people. You'll be building people up, grooming people to take your place in certain, in certain situations. Like honestly, if, even if you don't want to step away from the business and you, but you just want to do the the creative work, the stuff that you actually enjoy on a day-to-day basis, you still need to like find someone who can run the business. The business has to be run, unfortunately. Right. Right. Uh, and and so someone has to run it. If that's not going to be you, then you have to find that person and help train them and you have to trust them. And you frankly have to pay them a lot of money to run your business. Um, Mm -hmm. so there's, there's going to be, there's going to be some obstacles there, but, but I think, I think it's, definitely doable, especially with the the kinds of clients you're already attracting. If you can continue to attract a few high-paying clients that you don't feel like push you too far out of of where you want to go in terms of scale, and then you can also fill in with these medium or small businesses that you can handle on a more boutique level, I think it could be a really, really nice medium-sized business that supports you and a, a few other people or maybe a dozen other people really nicely. Yeah. Uh, that sounds great I, I, I can I can do that cool man well what have we left out anything uh, we probably have five or ten minutes here or or we can just wrap it up
2: no I I, I really did I mean I I want to talk about the brand stuff and you know like my name and so, you know moving from b to b to c and how to get out but stay in and I think you guys Carved out a really great
0: plan. Cool. On, on how to do that. Awesome. So. Okay, man. Well, yeah, thank no, you so much for really joining nice. us on the call today. I'm I'm glad it was beneficial and we enjoyed speaking with you.
2: Yeah, it was great. I really had
0: a good time. Uh, yeah. Thanks a lot, uh, Paul. Appreciate it. Yeah, you got to get some rest now, isn't it? Like two or three a.m. Your time. Two thirty. Two thirty in the morning. Yeah, go to bed. <laughs> <laughs> thanks for joining us. <clears throat> yeah, Andrew. It. it see you. Guys. See ya. See ya.
1: Freelance the Founder is a production of Milo. You can discover more
0: business building resources for freelancers at M I L L O dot C O. And you can learn more about Clay's business and level up your entrepreneurial skills by visiting gitdripify.com. Freelance the Founder is distributed by the podglomerate. You can check out their other great podcast at thepodglomerate.com. And the theme music was produced by Joaquin Karud. You can subscribe to the show in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or by searching Freelance to Founder in your favorite podcast player. We'd love to
1: have you join us on an
0: upcoming episode. To learn more, visit freelance2founder.com. That's all for this week's episode. Until next time, keep up the hard work and we'll see you soon. See ya.